Hello, all you damn beautiful people on the internet, and welcome to the Oscar Worstie Podcast. We are your three Oscar grouches. My name is Paul Workman. And I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. And this is a podcast where three balding white men in their mid-30s talk about Oscars and uh, the history of Oscars and what we are going to deem are the worst picks to win Oscars in the history of the Oscars. Did I say Oscars enough in this opening? I was going to say, did you want to throw <laughs> one more Oscar in there? Uh, Oscar. Very good. Hammerstein, the third, um, who was an Oscar winner. The only Oscar winner to be named Oscar, by the way. Did not know that. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with Paul Workman, he is the guy who's just going to give us those random Oscar trivias that you never asked for. Yeah. <laughs> but I have them. In my brain, just taking up space. Always the one nerd. Gotta be someone. It does. So, what are we doing today, Paul? Well, I figure if we're going to start a podcast talking about the worst picks in Oscar history, uh, we would go ahead and start at the top with Best Picture. And what we're going to do is we are going to watch and discuss all, what, 90 Best Pictures? 90-something now? Jeez. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, week by week, we're going to discuss which film, based on just the ones we watch, is the worst film in Oscar history. Yeah. Sounds good. So yeah, we are going to go ahead and go through every week, starting with number one, telling you, hey, this one, best picture. Was it the worst best picture? But but so. just just based on the ones we watched. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start off this week with the first best picture, a, uh, a wonderful movie called Wings. Paramount presents Wings, the first movie to win an Academy Award for Best Picture. The story of two men who have gone to war and the girl they left behind. Starring Clara Bow, the It Girl, Gary Cooper, Buddy Rogers and Richard Arlen. Wings is a whopping air spectacle, dominated by remarkable aerial stunts. Filled with action, shock, thrills, and tragedy. Twists of fate in love and war that catapult three people to their destinies. One of the greatest silent motion pictures ever made. Wings. Hey, Jonathan, you want to fill us in on what Wings is about? Sure, I could do that. All right, so Wings is the first winner, as I said, of the Best Picture of the Academy Awards. It is the story of love, loss, and one jackass who deserved absolutely nothing and still got everything. Exactly. That That is Wings. It is two and a half hours of amazing film. Amazing film. And just quite possibly one of the most unredeemable freaking main story protagonists that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I could feel that. I, I, I just, uh... Zach, what do you think? Of Wings? Um, you know, I, I ended up enjoying it a little more than I thought, but I'm, I'm completely there with you on, um, on Jack. He, uh, the jackass. 
you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I completely forgot the name of his character when I put Jackass on there. <laughs> and it all just works out even better. Wonderful. Certainly didn't uh, deserve uh, Clara Bow. I, I, once again, and it, and, and it pains me so much that it starts with the first Academy Award winning movie ever to give us the how is the hottest chick in the movie the one who's getting dumped on the entire time it's 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 mostly because the uh the shared love interest between the two main characters was the biggest name uh going into the film and she wasn't she wasn't too thrilled with her role either she said that it was mostly boys club kind of stuff and she was pushed to the side so yeah yeah Yeah. so uh so so what info do you have for us paul on this movie well, on, we know you got some on this movie in particular. Uh, I'll I'll start with a little bit of an Oscar breakdown for it. Uh, it won what was in nineteen the nineteen twenty seven nineteen twenty eight Oscar race called Most Outstanding Picture, uh, which was a shared uh, Best Picture category with Best and Unique Best Unique and Artistic Picture, which they wanted them to be like equal competitors, but they didn't want uh, to turn off the, the more mainstream Hollywood pictures from the more artistic films. So this wins outstanding picture and sunrise that FW Marno film wins best unique and artistic picture. And that's an excellent film. If you've never seen it, uh, the only other film that uh, the only other award that this film would pick up was best engineering effects. And I will tell you what, Man, did this film deserve Best Engineering Effects, which, of course, is pretty much just special effects, because there are some shots I could not fathom how they got in 1927. So that's going to bring up a pretty good point for me. So I'd never seen this movie before until I watched it. Uh, And I know, obviously, they kind of remastered it in ways, uh, kind of spruced it up so it doesn't look so bad and i think up the frame rate a little bit as well but uh outside of a couple of like really weird choices when it came to the fire on an airplane once a really well done uh remaster but some of the stuff i feel like they did in this movie makes me go they got away with that then yeah like when the the one character who's obsessed with jack goes into that that town as it's getting bombed, just the shots that they got for that were incredible. Yeah. Dude, I just, some of those were just nuts. And it was especially like having to pull yourself aside because there was, this was not a, uh, a talkie. This, this was just a, uh, what do you call it when you get those boxes that give you the it's dialogue called, or the well, narration? This is called a silent film. A, well, film. yes. <laughs> yes. Um, those are just, Usually called text boxes. Okay. I, I I hate to hear this call a silent film for the amazing soundtrack that it has. Well, I mean, you know, in 1927, but, when you went and saw this film in a theater, there'd be somebody there playing the piano alongside of it. That's the, fair. The film itself is silent. Gotcha. Um, But... Yeah, those shots that they did, and just the fact of the amount of blood that they got away with in it, too. Because this this movie was, I don't want to say graphic, but definitely, like, hardcore 
It's pretty what I would think would be like, yeah, it's really violent. Yeah, it almost had a like a documentary feeling to it. I mean, the um, the way it was filmed really benefited from the natural feeling of the effects and all the time they spent filming real uh, pilots flying and stuff. But it was, I felt like it could have been made aside from the fact that it was a silent film, you know, ten or fifteen years later for what it stands up against. Yeah. And I mean, and, and to two points, first fat man, yours about how bloody it is. This is a pre haze code film. So they could get away with stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cause the haze code would come in some good years later and, and start like really cleaning up Hollywood and making things a little more sterile. Uh, and then, Zach, yeah, to your point, uh, this really benefits from the fact that William Wellman, the director, was a uh, World War One pilot himself. Yeah. So he he really brings a, a sense of authenticity to how they shoot this film, and it is gorgeous. There are just shots in this film. Uh, that really good tracking shot in the nightclub where they're going over oh, table yeah. over table. Oh, oh god! Yeah. Oh god! It was so beautiful. Uh, they like built a boom specifically to do that. Yeah, yeah, and they uh, that that one shot where the shared love interest and the second lead are on the swing together as Jack is pulling up in his car in the background. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Yeah, I was watching that. Like, who? Yeah, that was a really good shot. I I enjoyed the crap out of that. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like. When you get silent films like this, you you lose a lot in the fact that, yeah, they're talking, but you're not hearing them. But they almost have to act more in a silent film than you would into a talkie. And with these actors and actresses that are in it, th- the emotion you got out of all of them, especially Clara Bow, just so amazing in every scene that she was in and everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm... Really, the only other silent movie that I've actually ever seen was Silent Movie. <laughs> so I, I was just very impressed by this. Well, this is the lack this, of Marcel Marceau, though. I don't know. Yeah, this is this is the only truly silent film to win Best Picture. The artist would in twenty eleven, but it's it's got a. It's got one scene of talking and one scene with a, with an actual sound design, so I don't consider it a truly silent film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, gotcha. but, check, but check out some yeah. more uh, some more F.W. Marno like Nosferatu. Oh god, that film's great. Sunrise. Yeah, yeah. No, I this has kind of opened up my eyes and because I'll admit, you know, if it's not made like before '83, I generally don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I just this one man. I feel like this opened my eyes, and I had a, uh, I had messaged Paul immediately after watching this movie, and I was like, well, I feel like we have a uh, already have a problem with the podcast because by default, as it stands right now, this is the worst best picture we've talked about yeah and to call to call this movie a worst anything does it such a disservice 
that I almost didn't want to do it. And I was like, I, I can't I'd say it's but, the worst at making Pearl Harbor. We look had like power a power through. Movie. Say that again. It's Zach. the worst at making Pearl Harbor look like a good movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. This is yeah. Michael Bay definitely ripped off so much of this for Pearl Harbor. Yeah. I but I I man, I don't know how much more I could probably gush over this movie. I mean and it's a two and a half hour long movie. I think a little bit over that even. Yeah, two hundred two two hours forty minutes uh, with like a brief intermission in the middle there, and I don't think that there was a minute wasted at all. I I'll say I think the the drunk scene could have been cut down some. Yeah, you shut your <laughs> goddamn mouth. <laughs> because mid watching this movie i had to put in text my new family motto this shall go on my family crest ray bubbles ray no war just bubbles <laughs> just watching him just the bubbles popping up out of everything and then just the out of nowhere ray bubbles <laughs> the funniest thing ever it it was a brief comedy respite in a movie where you really don't get a lot of it at all. No, you get um, some, you I will, get some I will admit it does go a little long on it. Just, just a but, little, I, I'm not talking about trimming like the entire scene. I'm talking about trimming no. maybe like three to four minutes out of it. <laughs> Fair enough. It's probably a good 15 to 20 minutes of the dead middle of the film. <laughs> yeah. There were a couple scenes where, um, Maybe it was tracking the planes a little while, but when you spend so much money and when it's literally planes have existed as long as the film, people are going to want to see planes on the screen. So, I, you know. oh yeah, oh yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. Oh those, oh those, those uh, dogfight scenes were just yeah. I wanted none of that cut. I I could have gone for some more and have been happy with it. I, I it was just so good. Yeah, and uh, apparently they shot this down in Texas and went over schedule and over budget and spent a whopping, are you following me here, guys? $2 million. <laughs> Today's money, that's the kind of thing where, you know, Kevin Smith would thank somebody for, but... I think I saw it. 27, 28. Yeah, that's... Yeah, did you just say the... the the adjusted budget there, yeah. Zach. Yeah, um, it's a uh, still modest in today's budgets, but yeah, two million dollars for a movie back in nineteen twenty-seven was probably way more than anybody was trying to spend. Yeah. You ever seen a? You ever seen the movie Chaplin? The one no. with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. yeah, Dan Aykroyd plays a director in that film, oh. and at one point he's like, "Hey, can we finish shooting this movie? I got like five more to shoot today." <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about um, what Jonathan had said as far as silent movies he'd seen before. Everything I'd seen before had been kind of like Charlie Chaplin, uh, Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton type stuff. So mostly comedies with all that physical stunt work and not a lot of budget. So this was eye opening right. film for me too. Um, well, Zach, if you need to borrow Fritz Lang's Metropolis or uh, F.W. Marnell's Nosferatu, I am happy to lend them to you. They are excellent. They also might be free on on YouTube. So <laughs> uh, I also have a lot of Chaplin, especially his Criterion stuff, because I am a massive Chaplin yeah. fan. Yeah, what's nice is it's, uh, I think we had talked about this uh, 
obviously off podcast before, but uh, we're getting pretty close to uh, Disney finding a way to screw copyright again here soon. Oh yeah, yeah. They'll uh, they're good at that. So yeah. So I mean, this movie might hit public domain, but once again. I think it's gets close to when the mouse came out, then they just find a way to go. Ah, can we make it 150 years? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because yeah, Mickey Mouse is going to be hitting public domain here soon. Yep. And that's one thing they don't want to happen. No. All right, boys. Well, what else do we have to say about this movie? Um, I don't know. It's amazing that it's a two and a half hour film and and it's hard to really come up with a lot to talk about because honestly, yeah, the cinematography is incredible. Uh, it, it's a gorgeous film to look out. The restoration on this was beautiful, especially any of the uh, stuff that was restored in the sepia tone over the black and oh, white. Yeah. yeah. In, in the version that, uh, that we saw, um, it's just but, one of those movies where you're happy. Ted Turner didn't get a hold of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, there there was a lot of stuff like Georges Méliès used to hand paint frames, so color mm-hmm. films do exist from like before the 1930s. Yeah. But they're, you know, it's not color film. It's just somebody went and like painted frames, frame by frame. How wild is that? Uh, that just sounds so tedious. <laughs> but you're also looking at like what about 15 frames a second at that time. Yeah, that's about right. So nothing near what we got now, but Oh yeah. Well, about about half. But uh no, I mean the restoration, like I said, the only time I felt really pulled away from it, and I don't know if this was restoration or if this was in the original film. I meant to ask you this beforehand, but that uh it was like one of the first airplanes that go down. There was just like one particular fire. Yeah that just really popped out. And I'm like, mm, that one, did they do it once and go, ah, guys, can we not do that again? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just reel it back a little bit. Just a bit. I like, I like the bubble effects too. Those were fun. <laughs> oh, the bubble effects I found were great. Cause it felt very bed knobs and broomsticks to me. <laughs> so I was like, this is great. Um, and yeah, you know, I, hooray bubbles. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I really felt like compared to a lot of uh, silent film acting that this was a lot more toned down. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. There's some, you know, stage physicality, but not as much. It's drawn drawn back and there's more, you know, close ups and subtle emotion when it was needed rather than the big expressive hand movements and stuff that you see in some of the films that came even like three or four years before. Um. One thing I really liked was the the male affection that they weren't afraid to show that brotherly bond and yeah and, uh, oh yeah and I think you know I don't know I don't oh yeah they uh they definitely they definitely gave you that war buddy feel that like this is my brother and you know what if you got anything to say about how we are embracing each other right now I'm a deck you in the face yeah. I don't I don't but, know yeah, if no, they they were very close like it, but. I also feel that there was those subtle moments where it kind of gave it more importance too, because so if you remember after 
the first flight that the two uh, protagonists had, and they were getting their awards. I think especially uh, especially Jack, I believe, got his award from the French and way that they embraced him. You almost saw them kind of pull back a little bit, like, hey, you know, what's this guy doing? It kind of gives it that more, all right, yeah, these guys also aren't familiar with this kind of, you know, closeness with other men. But when it comes to the kind of friendship that those the two protagonists had, it was like, no, we need to get past yeah. that. And it showed so much. That's why I feel like that kind of small recoil that they had in that, like, two-minute scene really added to that effect. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, man. What else to say? Uh I just, I really like this film. I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I was just so surprised how much I yeah. liked it. Like, like you said, as soon as I finished watching it, I, I messaged you guys. It's like, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. But I, I had probably seen this once back in high school when I was trying to watch all the best pictures. And there's a lot that I still haven't seen. So I'm really interested in like next week's movie. I haven't seen. So, Ooh. so, uh, this is this is one I saw back in high school, but I probably didn't have the patience for a lot of silent film back then, and it was a long silent film, so I didn't remember it being as good as this, and I was pleasantly surprised when, like, immediately when I started watching it, how much I fell in love with it. It's it's a really good film if you can stand to read some cue cards and you can stand to listen to some ragtimey piano. It is <laughs> worth every second you're gonna oh, watch. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I was a little worried at first because I thought we were going to get that old school silent film because, like, that first scene, you know, when he's pulled out the car and you're uh, like, "All right, they're they're going really goofy with this with the way that they're taking care of it," and I'm like, "All right." And the second is like, "All right, they're going to war," and then you get the uh, the Herman Schwimpf character. Oh, Herman Schwimpf is the best. The best. He is my favorite. Just, <laughs> just the him getting decked by that one guy at the when they get the boot camp, and he's just like, "No, dude, it's cool." Um, but it's just it's really weird. Once again, this this kind of pulls back to a lot of really progressive i things that were put into this movie. Uh, this being not as subtle as the, you know, brothers in arms embrace, but the uh, the attitude towards immigrants and things like that, where they're just like, oh, this Dutchman? Uh, you need to get the fuck out of yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> like, pulls down his shirt and they're like, alright, this guy wants to fight and he shows his American flag and they're like, oh, okay, now this guy's cool. Um, I just, once again, that's that's one of those, like, really oddly progressive things that are coming out of a movie in 1927. Obviously not a lot of black lives matter signs going out on yards yeah. in the movie. Not that progressive, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's weird to see that in a film like this and especially one that's became, like you said, the outstanding picture. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's yeah. amazing. They're quick to get over your um, cultural differences. If you find a little bit of common ground, which is not something we, uh, are experiencing these days for better or worse. Yeah. And so something I want to talk about now as well is the, uh, the war movie aspect of this. I want to kind of compare this to the modern day war movies, how, you know, this is coming off of the tale of the big war and 
we have you know movies that come out now where it's very much like I don't to call back what is it American Sniper, where exactly you have this movie which like bleeds patriotism and this is what this movie is about is how these two men wanted to go and fight for their country and and the everybody knew still that it was a dangerous thing that you know their kids could die. And you could pull back to movies like American Sniper, where it's just trying to be like, no, we're a recruitment film. We want you to be cool like this guy. Yeah. You're still going to, you know, kill yourself later. But they didn't overly dehumanize um, the bad guy and make it like a cartoonish villain. It's like, okay, these are humans and the airplanes. The only way you can tell them apart is the insignia and stuff. Oh, my God. So when they pulled the pilot off of that one plane, when... uh, David. Who was it? Was it David? When David stole the plane and the way they carried his body out of there, they're like, that was humanizing the bad guy that was just going, yeah, these guys are soldiers too. They're just on the wrong side. Yeah. Hardcore on the wrong side. But yeah. um, So yeah, it was great. Um, Also, some of the planes in the game uh, the game wow uh, I, I have not left my computer since may so um but like yeah that dragon airplane the bomber mm-hmm. was just badass and, you know, yeah you're gonna get a lot of you know single engine cessnas you know but outside of that oh god just this movie just oozed so much awesome and i'm just really surprised at myself by how much i enjoyed it like the fact that i had to like with it being a silent film i had to pay attention to it because you're not going to get be able to have it in the background and listen to it and catch the story you actually have to watch this movie right to really get what's going on so yeah and without you know without spoiling anything uh just some some of the scenes there at the end um especially uh yeah, uh, yeah, real quick, hey, 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 can we not spoil the nine-year-old movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be careful and throw out those uh, spoiler warnings. Thank you. Well, yeah, you're. that's completely a, a fair thing, but I don't think many people like us haven't seen it, so I think they should go back and, and take a look. But the scene where, uh, I'll, I'll yeah, say, where, that's fair. where a mother is pushing a father in a wheelchair... And the the camera is so intensely focused on them, and there's a real tough God. moment there. I I mean, yeah, my just, eyes got watery, and you know, when a almost hundred year movie can make you feel all the emotions. Seriously, I did. I yeah. cried. I I, yeah. I was going to mention that, and I completely forgot. Yeah, when uh, when it that, was handed back. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh that, God! Immediately. Yeah. Beautiful moment. Beautiful. Beautifully done. Beautifully acted. The the title cards hit just right. I just. All right, here's where I would have improved the film. Here's where it would have happened. Jack doesn't make it either. I don't think Jack deserved anything. I know this pulls back to what I said in the beginning, but Herman Schwimp's the one that gives the mom the stuff back. <laughs> like, not even funny. Like, it's just, it is him. Like, he was the one that went there in the beginning, and he was there with him. Like, he he got kicked out of the pilot program, but he was still there. Like, I think that's where the but- movie should have gone. But uh, I kind of like that Jack's Jack's the one that survives and Jack the one that moves on because it it's a it's a story of him growing as a person uh, and realizing what he has versus what he thinks he wants. And so 
he has to lose so much in order to come back around. And I'm sure that was true of a lot of young men in that time. Yeah. I mean, this was this was the Great War. Yeah, and before PTSD and, and everything. Had, we had... But yeah. that's the the thing, though. Like it's 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 all coming back to the Mary Preston character, though, is the fact that David brings it up once. Hey, you love Mary, don't you? He's like, nah, she's just a girl that's a friend. Hot redhead. And at no point does he go like, oh, you know what? Maybe Mary is the one. It's literally he comes back home and goes, oh yeah, that's right. I do like you, don't I? Just I mean, because David ripped up the uh, what's her name's picture. I, I, I just mean, never saw it. It, I guess it's heavily implied by the fact that he puts the shooting star on his plane, the same one that she puts on his car at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So I took that as he liked the idea. I don't <laughs> think that had anything to do with Mary because he did it. That was the first thing he uh, had done on his plane. It was he was just like, yeah, but subconsciously, this is a cool you idea. Know, he, he you know, defends it, her honor after fire this. makes things go fast. Yeah, so yeah, so that I think that was possibly the closest to that moment that you could find is when he goes, "Well, don't you talk bad about Mary? She's a good chick." Like, <laughs> no, it's yeah, he's just defending. Like, he friend zones this girl she, the entire time. She's a classy old name. <laughs> <laughs> now listen here, buddy. <laughs> um, no, I just, I, I don't think that Jack was a redeemable character in any point of the movie. I think that it was his recklessness, not just with the fact that, so like you can say he saw a German plane, he took down the German plane, but it had specifically mentioned he recklessly went out on his own. Mm -hmm. He was in an area he was not supposed to be at, and that's why it happened. That's why he did it. Now it probably would have happened either way, probably wouldn't have landed a plane on a really cool scene of a plane crashing into a house. But I just think that Jack's decisions throughout the entire movie were wrong completely. That's yeah. fair. I'm not going to go try to hang That's out fair. with him or anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, I'm not saying not like if I see the dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mean mug him. <laughs> like, I think that's just what's going to happen. So give him a bit of the old, I'm not going to start eye. nothing, but Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys, so I think it's kind of become that time where we do have to decide, and I know this is a tough decision, so let's really pull it in and let's really think hard. Is this, as of right now, the worst best picture? Well, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, based on the films that we have watched on this podcast so far, yes, this is the worst best picture. There hasn't been another best picture, so it just automatically qualifies, no matter how many four-star reviews i give it on letterboxd <laughs> on the it's, it's very yeah. well said and i think very well thought out zach i gotta hear what you think well like you said by default yes but i already know living in the future there are best picture winners that i do not like as much as this so when we get there this will no longer be it but as of now yes it is it cool um my personal take um the movie shit <laughs> Uh, compared to all of the other best pictures, it's kind of crap. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, easily, by comparison, this is the worst best picture. Yeah, I'm honestly curious to see next week, because I haven't seen the Broadway melody. If if we will be, if if this will <laughs> actually continue to be the worst best picture. 
I I saw it years ago. I don't right. remember really caring for it much, but yeah, we'll see. All right, that's it for the first episode of the Oscar Worsty Podcast. Next week, we'll be watching Broadway Melody from 1928. You can find that on Amazon, Fandango, or Vudu if you want to watch along with us. My name is Zach McCoy, and you can find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, but that's spelled with X. X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. And here's Jonathan Pierce. And my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can, of course, follow me on Facebook at Jonathan Pierce. You can follow me on Twitter at Altorn underscore Occam. Uh, you can also find me wanting to play video games but never having the time because school is a terrible thing in the world. But I do stream every <laughs> now and again on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Altorn underscore Occam. My name is Paul Workman. You can follow me on Instagram at Father of the Fear. You can follow me on Twitter at DA Movies Pod, which I'll probably be changing at some point because that's not our podcast anymore. You can follow <laughs> me on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com that's letterbox b-o-x-d dot com slash vaudevillian or look me up by name you can also follow me on Critiker at da movies pod again probably going to change that this has been the first episode of the oscar worsty podcast i hope you have enjoyed it uh go ahead and uh follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever you're listening to and give us some likes and reviews. We will love those, especially five-star reviews. Those are wonderful. So for Zach and Jonathan, I want to say have a damn fine day.